I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native, and the father of the Effortless English system that trains you to speak English fluently, speak English powerfully, speak English confidently, speak English effortlessly when you train with my VIP program. Join my VIP program. Commit to my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com EffortlessEnglishClub.com Walk and talk. Walk and talk. Walking to uh, the mall again. The mall that's kind of... Uh, it's about a 30-minute walk from my apartment. So, it's a nice little short walk. Take the baby, baby girl, and uh, then I'll sit and relax for a little bit there, and then we'll walk around the mall in the air conditioning, get a little more exercise, and then uh, walk back. So by doing that, I get about an hour and a half to two hours total walking every day. I'll walk. 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back, that's one hour. And I'll typically walk about an hour inside the mall. So it's two hours of walking. Good training for me. Now I'm rucking, so I have wearing my baby girl on the front in one of those baby carriers. It's a Baby Bjorn is the brand called Baby Bjorn. It's, it's actually a really nice baby carrier. Works really well. And uh, then I also have a backpack I'm wearing on my back and I have added some extra weight to the backpack. So I don't know, I haven't weighed the total. I know my little girl weighs uh, like, I'm trying to think in kilograms. What, should, what does she weigh now? Uh, seven? Six, uh, I think she's got almost seven kilograms. So that's like 14 pounds, and then my backpack's probably 10 pounds, so about 25 pounds, 12 kilograms, something like that total I'm carrying, which is not super heavy, but, uh, but it does add some weight. It does make the walking a little more difficult. It works some of my upper body muscles, you know, my back and my back muscles and the, my front muscles, like my abs, my shoulders somewhat have to work a little harder carrying the weight. So this is what rucking does. Rucking makes walking a little more intense, a little more difficult, works more muscles on your body, and uh, that's why I like it. And yet, I can still walk slowly, like at a normal walking speed, but I'm getting a better workout. Of course, the main reason I do this is because my favorite event now, my favorite events, my favorite, um, I don't know if you call them athletic events, but my favorite active, uh, special things I like to do are uh, long walking trips, like the Camino de Santiago, like the Chicoco 88, like the Camino di Francesco in, uh, in uh, Italy. Uh, hiking sections of the Appalachian Trail, uh, the Kumano Kodo, 
here in Japan. Another nice walking trail. Um, trails, really. Kumano Koroza is actually a network of trails, which is very nice in the mountains south of Osaka. So anyway, that's what I like to do. I like to do these walking trips where I'm carrying a backpack, carrying all my stuff, and uh, exploring the countryside of different countries, different places, sometimes in towns and cities, sometimes in farmland, and sometimes in the mountains, in the forest. But I love it. So this is kind of training for me. I'm prepared because I'm used to walking. I'm used to carrying heavier weights. Now for the Camino, like I said, we're, we're hoping. I can't really say plan yet because because it d- depends on my uh, baby's health, especially the boy. So I can't completely commit to a date yet. Uh, but as long as the baby's health, both baby's health is strong and good, we're probably going to do to walk the Camino de Santiago again in a couple of years, probably doing the main route, which is called the Camino Frances. It's called the Camino Frances. Frances means Fran- uh, French or France. Uh, it's called that because traditionally in the modern version, it's the starting point is a little town in France, just over the mountains. Just It's just the first starting point is in France and then immediately the first day you cross into Spain. And then that route, which goes through places like uh, cities like uh, Pamplona, Burgos, León, Saria. Uh, this is kind of the most popular route path uh, of the Camino de Santiago because there are other versions. There are other paths. There's one called the Camino del Norte, I believe it's called. Uh, which again, it goes to they all the Caminos end in Santiago. But they have different starting points and different paths. So again, the main one, the one that's the most famous that most people do is the Camino Frances, the one I just mentioned. The one I was talking about is the one I did before with my friend Joe. But there's one called a Camino Camino del Norte or Norte. And it's nor- Norte means north in uh, Spanish. So it's the northern route. It goes along the coast. It goes along the northern Spanish coast, along the... Uh, I guess it would be the North Sea. Uh, fewer people do that one, so it's a little more difficult, I've heard. I haven't done it, but I've heard that it's a bit more difficult. There's less accommodation. You have to plan a little more sometimes. Uh, you meet a lot fewer people. But uh, I've heard it's also quite beautiful. Quite beautiful, the countryside. is. You're a little bit more in mountains, I think, uh, during that one. There's one called the uh, Camino Portugues. Again, you might guess the meaning of that word is Portugal. So it's the Portuguese, the Portuguese Camino. Now again, this one ends in Santiago, Spain, but it starts in Portugal. And I'm not sure, I think there are different possible starting points in Portugal, but you walk a lot of it then through Portugal, and then you cross into Spain and end in Santiago. That would be interesting to do also. So the Portuguese Camino. Now I do know uh, some people I met during my Camino. I know they later 
Uh, maybe it was last year they went and they did the Portuguese Camino. They said it's nice. It's shorter. I think you can do the Portuguese one in about two weeks. And then Carol, our great VIP member Carol, uh, just sent me information about, I uh, can't remember the name in French, and my uh, French pronunciation is horrible. So, uh, but what is it called though? Something Puy. Anyway, there's a French Camino, not the Camino Francais, don't confuse it. <laughs> That's actually in Spain mostly. But there's one that goes across France, and then it connects with the Spanish one. But it's also about a month walking across France, and uh, then it connects to the Spanish one, the Camino Francais. So you could really do them both if you wanted to. You could have a two-month Camino. You could start in France, do the French section of the Camino, doing across France. I think it's kind of northern France. Then you would connect to the Spanish one and do the Spanish one. So that could be a two-month trip. Maybe that would be in my future someday <laughs> to do that one. But the next one we plan to do is probably just the same one I did before. The only difference with the babies, probably we will skip the first day, meaning we'll start in Spain. The first day of the Camino Frances, the Camino de Santiago, starts in uh, Saint-Jean. Is the name of the town Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, something like that. Don't ask me the French pronunciation, but that's how I say it. You start there. It's got they got a nice little office there for people who are doing the the Camino. Most people start there. Then the first day, it's up and over the Pyrenees Mountains. It's a long day. It's a it's a long tough day. The first day is long and difficult. You're climbing up those mountains and then you're coming back down the other side. And when you come down the other side, you are in Spain. So starting day two, you're in Spain in a little tiny place called Roncesvalles. Now because it's such a long day, and the other thing is the first day, you're in the mountains, there's nothing. Right? There are no little shops, there's no it's it's wilderness. It's there's one little stop, I think it's what's it called? Oh mm, Osieto, something like that. There's one little place um, but it's not halfway. It's it's actually only a few hours after outside of uh, Saint Jean, walking. Then you get to this little place, maybe three or four hours. I don't know. Osieto. It's probably the wrong name. I can't remember the name. But anyway, it's just basically a little building. It's a small little guest house. Joe and I actually were going to stay there, but it was so short. We had only been walking a few hours. We said, ah, forget this. Let's, let's just keep going and we'll do the whole thing. But after that, there's nothing. Okay, there's nothing. <laughs> no towns, uh, no houses, nothing basically. And it's quite long, you know, that's, it's a pretty long day of walking, eight, nine hours, something like that, of walking, plus some breaks, you know, you're, it's probably 10, 11, 12 hours total. Uh, it was a pretty long day of walking, uh, maybe even a little longer than that, I can't remember. I remember when we arrived in Roncesvalles that it was uh, getting, starting to get a little bit dark, but it was right at the end of the day. Not quite night, but late 
So the point is, I think with the babies with two young, they'll be two years old at that point. I just don't want to risk it with the babies going over that long area where there's nothing, where there's no town, where there's nothing in case we had some kind of problem. And the other issue is that the path, the mountain path, is kind of rough, especially on the side where you're going down into Spain. So I don't think I could push them in a stroller in that section, which means I'd have to carry them the whole time. And uh, again, <laughs> I think we're just going to skip that part and we'll start on day two, traditional day two, in Roncesvalles. Actually, a lot of people do start in Roncesvalles. Uh, people start at uh, many different locations on the Camino. Some people, they have less time. They don't have a full month. So instead of starting in... St. Jean or Roncesvalles. Maybe they start in Burgos. Maybe they start in Leon. Some, especially Spanish people who only have a short vacation time, they'll start in Saria and only do one week. They just do one week Camino. For me, that's too short. I think you miss something. I think you miss a lot of the deep experience of the Camino. I can't imagine doing only one week. It would feel... Uh, I don't know. I'm sure they have a nice time still, but uh, there's something far more special about walking much longer because it becomes kind of part of your life for that full month or maybe even a little longer than a month if you go slowly. Um, so I recommend if you can get the time, do the, do the full month at least. Start in St. Jean if you're you know, reasonably healthy and you don't have any problems, I recommend do the whole thing, the whole Francais Camino, and start in St. Jean. If, uh, if you have some issue like me with two young kids or something like that, maybe skip the first day and start in Roncesvalles. So, what I'm doing now is kind of early training. <laughs> Because <laughs> I realize my Camino this time, this next time, is going to be far more difficult physically. When I did the Camino with Joe four years ago, I only needed to carry a very light, light backpack. I was ultra light, you know, which is usually my philosophy for hiking. I'll train heavy, right? When I'm training, I carry heavier weights and do harder things. But when they actually they have the event, the actual trekking, the actual hike, then I do the opposite. I want everything super light, super minimal. I bring the smallest amount of stuff. I get the lightest backpack I can find. I get the, the lightest uh, clothes I can get. <laughs> light, light, light. It makes a big difference. I recommend this. Don't carry a lot of weight. What do I mean by light? I mean maximum of seven kilograms. Your backpack, doing the Camino, not more than seven, less than seven is even better. Maybe six. Yeah, actually less than six. I'm just, I'm trying to convert to pounds, six. Six kilograms should be the most your backpack should weigh. So mine was quite light. Mine was probably lighter than that. 
which made the whole thing quite easy. Plus, I was I was well trained, so I had no physical problems during the Camino last time. I was physically it was no problem. I was tired some days, of course. We did some long days sometimes, but um, and there's some mountain areas that are a little tough. But this time, I won't be able to go ultralight. <laughs> it's not an option because I have, I'll have two young children that are going to be kind of heavy. And sometimes I'll have to carry one of them or both of them. And most of the time I'll have to push them in a stroller with wheels. In both cases, that's a lot of extra work. Sorry for the noisy traffic. In both cases, that's going to be a lot tougher for me. You know, it's a lot of extra physical uh, challenge this time. And so that's why I'm, st I'm, in many ways, I'm starting my training already two years ahead of time. <laughs> two years before, I'm already starting to do this rucking training with, with my baby girl and the backpack. And every month I'll add more weight. Of course, every month my babies will get bigger and heavier. So that's an automatic increase <laughs> in training. But also for my backpack, I'll add a little more weight, a little more weight, a little more weight. Every month, just a little bit. I have two years now, so I can do it very gradually. Gradually is best. I'll let my body adapt little by little by little. Eventually, probably next year, I'll buy a stroller and then uh, for the training I'll start I'll continue trekking I'll continue to we wear a heavy backpack but then I'll also start to push the babies some days maybe some days I'll carry them and some days I'll push them and I'll just do lo and then of course probably again starting next year as the babies get bigger and the event gets closer I will walk longer each day so right now about two hours and then I'll have to increase it you know to three four five I probably need to be able need to train for a, probably six hours a day another adjustment for the second Camino with with two children um, another adjustment, another difference will be that we'll, we'll go more slowly. Joe and I were in really good shape. You know, we both trained really well for the Camino. So we had a lot of energy and uh, we were very enthusiastic. And some days we just loved being out walking. You know, we didn't want to stop. So we did some long, tough days sometimes. I think we just enjoyed the challenge of it. Um, Joe's a very fast walker. I can walk fast. I don't automatically walk fast, but sometimes I do and I can and I was fine to walk fast with him sometimes and um, all that was great. We did, we'd, our total Camino time was 32 days and that was with some breaks. Each big city we would stay an extra day. We would take a day off. So like Pamplona, Burgos, Leon. <laughs> trying to remember if there are any other cities we stopped at least those three where we took three full rest days but this time with small children uh, you know we can't make them do sit in a stroller or carrier for 
eight hours a day or something it's not good for them uh it's going to be much harder for me pushing them or carrying them <laughs> there's a small possibility my mom will go i have invited my mom now there's no way she could do it now but if she loses weight if she keeps training we'll see it'll be a miracle it'll be a miracle from god if my mom is able to walk the camino but even if my mom doesn't just with the children we're gonna have to do much shorter days probably maximum of four hours walking a day with breaks in between break it up so it's gonna be a more slow and relaxed Camino for us and quite honestly I think that there's actually that's quite nice because why hurry <laughs> why hurry it's such a nice experience it's nice to go slowly Sorry about the noise again. Noisy, 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 noisy. Noisy cities. So anyway, going slowly is nice. I think I mentioned before, you know, Joe and I, we were so enthusiastic in the beginning. We did some long days. We, uh, we were walking kind of fast. And after, I don't know, one week, 10 days, something like that, we kind of suddenly realized, we're like, okay, we're having a good time. We're enjoying going fast. You know, we have energy, it feels good. But then we also realized, wait a second, this is such a wonderful experience. We're having a great time. Uh, it's so, we're meeting so many great people. Why go fast? We should slow down and enjoy this. Let's, we want it to last longer. We don't want to hurry through. And then we slowed down. <laughs> we slowed down a lot. We took more breaks, all this kind of stuff. So I don't mind it with, our, with my family. I think we're gonna do a very relaxed pace. Go slowly. I don't know, maybe we need 40 days to do the Camino this next time. You know, we'll take, uh, maybe in any of the larger towns, we'll take full day rest, full rest days. We could even take, you know, two rest days in a town. It doesn't matter. And we'll do shorter days, you know, maybe maximum of four hours of total walking break and then you know take breaks in between all this stuff to make it uh, just more relaxed for especially for the children and that's nice to take more time just to stop and chat with people and meet people and relax and enjoy the process the journey I'll keep you updated about that what else is happening? Gab, you guys need to get on Gab. I'm quite excited about what Gab's doing now. Very excited. Yesterday, they made the change. So if you're a tech person, if you know about this stuff, I'll, I'll explain. If you don't, don't worry. But basically, Gab just switched and they became open source. What does open source mean? It means that they're system, their software, their programming is open. Anybody can see it. Anybody can, in fact, use it. So it's kind of almost like it's public. 
I mean, they still own Gab, their Gab.com, but there's no, there's not, it's not secret. It's not hidden. So this is very, this is a very good thing in software and in the internet. You're going to see this phrase a lot, open source. And often the people who work on open source, they have a lot of volunteers that work on it, on these different open source projects. But the key thing is that it's, there's not secret, right? Google, you can't trust Google because they have all these little secret programs in Gmail, in YouTube, everything. Android, in the the operating systems. And all these secret things, what are they doing? They're spying on you, tracking you, taking your information, and then selling it or using it themselves. Lots of bad stuff happening with them. So it's the same. Apple, same thing. Apple's famous for this. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon. Not open source. Hidden. Secret. Lots of bad stuff happening. But open source, that means anybody, any... Of course, you need to be a programmer to understand it. But any programmer can go in now and they can look at the code. It's called the code. It's the programming of Gab and they can see everything. Everything. So if Gab puts something in there to spy on you, well, they can't hide it. Anyone can look and say, look, it's, look at this. They have something to spy on us. So it's open. It's very nice. Very, very nice. Now the other thing that is, they base, and they base theirs, Gab, Gab's uh, uh, built their new Gab. New Gab is also based on another open source project. So it's called Mastodon. Mastodon. What is Mastodon? So Mastodon is like an open source Twitter, basically, basically. It's like an open source, free and open, not secret, not owned by a huge company, version of Twitter, of social media. It's open source social media, Mastodon. So Gab, because it's free, because anyone can use open source, anyone can use it and then change it and make their own version if they want to. And that's what Gab did. So Gab said, well, let's use this basic open source social media mastodon will use their programming because it's open source it's free to everybody open to everybody we'll use it and then we'll modify it we'll change it a little bit so that we can have the functions we want but it's based on mastodon so they're both open source mastodon's kind of like the core the the base So you could say, basically, Gab now is a version of Mastodon. It's a kind of a customized version of Mastodon, and they're both open source, and that's fantastic. So open source, you'll see this, open source. Uh, Brave, the Brave browser, I, I think it's open source also. The Brave browser, open source. So again, you can, uh, people can go in there and see what they're doing. Like, uh, you know, the Google stuff, they say it's open source, but you have to, you have to be careful with Google. You get the idea. Open source. So that's one kind of important part of, uh, 
uh, a more free internet. It's not the only thing, but it's one part. Part two, the other thing about Gab now and Mastodon is that they are, it's called, they're distributed or federated. And really distributed and federated, we should say. Let me explain these words. Distributed. What does this mean? This basically means decentralized. We talked about this word a while ago. It means not owned by just one company, not controlled by just one company. It means that anybody or everybody can have their own and can own and their own version. So that's number, that's what distributed means. Distributed means it's not not it's the opposite of concentrated. Concentrated means everything in under one, right? Google is a concentrated company. They have, you know, they own and control so many different things. You know, uh, the advertising, the spying, the the Android stuff, the phones, Gmail, all this stuff. It's a very concentrated, like a monopoly. Well, the opposite of that is distributed or decentralized. They're synonyms. They're similar meaning. So distributed. So, for example, in general, email, if you just think of email, email is, is a distributed service. Right? There's not just one or two email providers. Of course, there are a few big ones like Yahoo, Hotmail, and Google, but there, there really there are thousands and thousands of email providers. You can switch. You know, I use one. I don't use those big three. I use another one that's more secure, hopefully. But you could even, if you want to, you could get your own server, your own domain name, like, you know, yourname.com, and you could set up your own little email system, and you would own it completely. You would never, you don't have to use any of these big companies, right? So, email is distributed. Anybody, really, can set up their own little email uh, account system using their own, using their own computer. Now, most people don't do this because, uh, you know, you need, a, you need to do a few technical things and the uh, big companies are more, you know, are free, but you can, right? There are many, many, many different email providers and anyone can do it, really. So it's distributed. Can't, can't, can't be controlled by just one or a few companies. So this is also good because it makes censorship more difficult, right? Email is very difficult to censor. YouTube is easy to censor because Google controls it. It's all concentrated. All those videos, all those channels are concentrated under one company, Google. So, therefore, because it's YouTube is so concentrated, video is so concentrated with just a few companies, it's easy to censor. It's easy for these companies to block and control people. But email is different. Email is so distributed, they can't do it. So even if you have Gmail and they spy on you, and then they block, they say, ah, oh, we're going to block or you can't use Gmail. They, they delete your account. Well, you can easily just get another email account and you can still email all the same people, right? Just save your email list 
<laughs> your contact list and it doesn't matter you can just switch to another one or you could even like I said you could even do your own you could even create your own pretty easily so email can't be censored very well for that reason because it's so distributed And so now, what we have with Mastodon and Gab is that these are also distributed. What it means is that it's a system, so it's all based on Mastodon. So it's using the same basic kind of system, social media, but instead of just one or a few companies controlling it, instead of just Twitter and Facebook and Google, instead now, anybody, again, like email, anybody can create their own Mastodon or Gab. I can do it. You can do it. I mean, Gab just did it, right? Gab basically just created their own version of Mastodon and they call it Gab. I could create my own version and I could call it, you know, Booger. <laughs> and Booger.com. <laughs> right? And you could create one. And so now, what we, so what this means is with this kind of system is distributed more like email. So it becomes very hard to block because now, instead of three companies controlling social media, you could have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. Now the second part, uh, federized, <laughs> federized or federal, Federized. Um, this makes it even better. What this means is that all of these separate little groups are connected. So again, like email, think of email, right? You have Yahoo, you have, uh, you know, Gmail, you have Proton Mail. Um, I don't know. There's there's tons of them, right? You could even have your own, your name. You at yourname.com, <laughs> right? So you have all these hundreds, thousands of email providers, but they're all connected to each other, right? You can send an email to any of them. If your friend is on Gmail and you're on Yahoo, you can still send emails to each other back and forth. The systems are a little different. The designs look different. They have different functions, right? But they're also connected. So a Gmail user can send an email to a Yahoo user, no problem, and they'll get it and they can read it. Everything's fine. And the Yahoo user could send something to ProtonMail user, right? So they're all connected. They can all communicate with each other, even though they also are a little different. This is the idea of distributed and federized. So imagine that same idea, that same idea as email, Imagine that with social media. So now you can post something. You can be on, you can choose any social media, right? You could be on Gab. You could be on the main Mastodon. You could be on my Mastodon or my Gab that maybe in the future, or maybe I'll make one. You could be on another one. And each one will be a little different. They'll have different designs. They might have some different functions, but they all connect. They all communicate with each other. So that means I can post something on my Gab, my future Gab, or my future Mastodon, whatever. And of course, everybody on my 
who follows me there will see it, but it will also connect with all of the other gabs, all of the other mastodons. So people on gab.com could still follow me. People on Mastodon Social could follow me. Anybody using one of these uh, distributed and federized social media based on Mastodon, they could still follow me, they could still see my posts, and I can follow them. So you see how what it means? So it's so it's making social media more like email. There you can have hundreds or thousands of different ones that are all have different functions and designs and rules and codes but they all still connect to each other so you can see how this makes censorship much more difficult it gives us much more freedom uh, it helps us build our own communities but still connect with others that's why it's important that's why what Gab is doing this week is really fantastic. It's really amazing, and that's why I'm so excited about it. And all we need is a video version of this. <laughs> so what they're doing is perfect for basic social media. It's great. It's the way to go for the future. I'm very excited about it. As I said, I may create my own version of Gab or Mastodon in the future. But what I really want is a version of this that is light, that has video and audio. It kind of basically uh, some kind of distributed, federated YouTube. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. Hoping to find. I, it will come. I'm sure it will come because here's this is the good news about what YouTube's doing is censoring and blocking and doing all this terrible stuff is they are creating a demand for something else. They have created the demand for a different system that might eventually destroy them. That would be fantastic. You know, just as Twitter and Facebook created the demand for Mastodon and Gab. YouTube is creating a demand for something like this using video. And there are already, there's some out there, but they just don't work very well yet. But it will come. It will happen. It will happen. So quite excited about this. So guys, get on Gab. Get on Gab.com. Eventually, we may have our own version, as I said. Some effortless English Gab or something like that. But for now, get on Gab. They're really doing some good stuff. I like the new design. I think it works well. Now, be patient. Okay, this month, they're making a lot of changes. So this month, this month, July, <laughs> Gab will have some technical problems. Probably many, many problems, okay? It's a big change they're making. So... You, you know, things might be slow. Some functions might not work well. You might have, you know, the, the groups are not working right now. There, there are going to be some problems like this, but long term, it's going to be fantastic. So get on Gab. Follow me on Gab. AJ Hogue. A-J-H-O-G-E. A-J-H-O-G-E on Gab.com. Follow me there. 
that's going to become my main social media now, okay? I'm not going to leave the other social media uh, for business. For personal, I've left. I'm basically done with Facebook personally. I don't put personal stuff on there anymore. I'm done. Twitter, I still use because a lot of you guys follow me on Twitter because I, uh, you know, I used to promote them until they started changing and getting much worse. But um, my Twitter activity will become less. It's already less. You probably noticed it's already less. But I'll stay there. I'm not going to delete it. Um, the Effortless English Facebook I'll keep because that's a business page. So I'll keep it and I'll still post some stuff there. But again, I don't post a lot. Now YouTube I will continue to use. As long as I can. But the best places, the safest places where you know you won't miss, you won't be blocked are on Gab, my blog, EffortlessEnglishClub.com slash blog, EffortlessEnglishClub.com slash blog. That's the best place because I own that one. And um, what else? Oh, the podcast. The podcast. The podcast is also distributed. No one... I can... Uh, you know, the files I own myself and they go out to many different apps. So if one app blocks me like Apple, it doesn't matter because you can just follow me on another app. So that's the cool thing. That's also with Gab now, by the way, guys. With Gab, you can use phone apps again because it's the same idea. Kind of like podcast apps. There are Mastodon apps and... They, you can follow any Mastodon uh, social media using those apps. So now Gab, because Gab uses the Mastodon system, now you can get, there are many different apps you can use uh, on your phone for Gab. I know some of you are really like apps. I don't really care about apps myself. I just use the web, the phone browser. But if an apps are important to you, now you can get Gab, follow Gab on an app. I'll recommend some apps. I'm not sure which ones yet. For my podcast, I recommend Podcast Addict. Podcast Addict is a good one. Also, CastBox. Those are two good ones. I'll give you some Gab app recommendations uh, coming soon. Okay, well, finally, I'm just walking around the mall right now. <laughs> finally, just an update. I was talking to my mom again, so it looks like she'll be coming to Japan. We're hoping this fall, maybe late September or October, she's planning to come, which is a great time for Japan. Wonderful weather here at that time. She's getting excited. I sent her a DVD, like a, a tourist DVD about Japan. She enjoyed it. So she's looking forward to seeing some places here. And of course, mostly she's excited about the babies, seeing her grandchildren. And more good news, my dad also wants to visit Japan. But next year, next spring, probably. So my dad is... Uh, talking about, thinking about visiting us in Japan in the spring of next year. 
so amazing. This will be my my first direct family to visit me in Japan. I've had uh, two cousins visit. My cousin Philip, some of you know, young, two young cousins. Cousin Philip, he visited uh, a few years ago. Visited us in uh, Kyoto when we lived in Kyoto, and then uh, recently, last year. Was my cousin, his sister, <laughs> my cousin Livia. She visited. Now, Livia loves Japan. She loves Japan. Olivia is in university now. She just finished her first year of university, of college. She uh, She's studying engineering, but she's also taking Japanese classes. It's interesting because they're, that whole family, my aunt's family, um, all, she has three children, my aunt, so they're my three cousins. They all studied Japanese in high school and college too, I think. So it's interesting, they all have this connection to Japan. But Olivia, of the three, Olivia's the youngest. She's in, like I said, she's in school now, university. But she loves Japan, so she came here, she stayed about a month, and she loved it, loved it, loved it. She's planning to come back again uh, next year, I think it is. She wants to, after college, she wants to come here and go to grad school, and she wants to live here, uh, which is great. So it'd be really nice to have a family member, another family member uh, here in Japan. So Olivia's going to come visit us uh, again. Very nice. But uh, those, so those two have visited us, <laughs> the young ones. But in terms of my mom has not visited Japan. My mom's never left America. My dad hasn't visited us in Japan. My sister hasn't. So um, <laughs> now that we have children, now suddenly they're interested. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> but anyway, it'll be nice. And I look forward to kind of, I like, I enjoy being a tour guide for people when they come. It's always fun to show them around uh, my favorite things in Japan. It'll be nice. Well, I've got a baby here who seems like she's hungry. She's making noises. Sounds like she's a little hungry. So I'm going to go now and I'll be back with a regular show, uh, of course, as usual. So again, you should uh, subscribe to my podcast. The audio podcast is important. You get these walk and talks. Of course, if you're hearing this walk and talk, you know. <laughs> it means you're following my podcast. But please help others find my podcast. I don't know why, but, you know, podcasts are... They're not new. <laughs> it's quite old technology. Podcasts have been around a long time. Yet, it's it's funny that... Uh, strange to me that many people still don't seem to understand the podcast. Podcasting. You know, on Instagram, for example, I'll post something. I'll mention my podcast. And people are just... How do I, how do I find your podcast? How, what, what's, the, what's the podcast? It, it's, it's strange. <laughs> so please help them. Uh, I try to answer their questions, but there's so many I miss them sometimes. So if you see this on social media or something, Effortless uh, English Family, please, you know, show you care. And please help them find my podcast. You know, recommend a podcasting app. Um, and tell them, you know, just to search for my podcast name, Everless English Podcasts, and subscribe. And get on Gab, guys. Get on Gab. Follow me on Gab because I think it's uh, this kind of distributed, federated social media is uh, is our best future.
gab.com. Follow me at AJ Hogue, A-J-H-O-G-E. Okay, that's the love to you guys, as always. Commit to my VIP program. Commit, don't quit at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com.